Morning, everybody. Jackie asked me to read this morning, so we're going to be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I might be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel of the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know who I am, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Philogos and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Okay, bow your heads and we'll just say a prayer. Lord God, we just give it all to you this morning. We thank you for bringing us here. We just pray for health in this church. Lord, we pray for those that are suffering today. Uh, we pray for those that can't be here today. Lord, um, we just thank you for all the good that you do. And we thank you for Jesus. And... Uh, we just, uh, our prayer today is that we can go out and spread Jesus throughout this country. So we ask that uh, you be with Pastor Jackie as he gives a message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Probably somewhere in the neighborhood, uh, 22 years ago, somewhere around there was in ministry in California and we went to Israel um, it was a time of turmoil a lot of terrorist activity in fact nobody was going to Israel so I've been to Israel I don't too many times I don't know 20 times I don't know 15 times I don't know a lot of times and uh, but this time nobody was there I literally could walk into any site Everybody was staying home. Everybody was afraid. We were on the Sea of Galilee, and we pulled up to the to the Sea of Galilee, and we we you know we're in fact this last year we were at the same place when we went to Tiberias, and so right at the shores of the Sea of Galilee, it's kind of cool, right, to just walk along the shores of the Sea of Galilee. They got like a little outdoor market. In fact, this year when when we were there, Don was catching fish out of the Sea of Galilee, so 
He's caught fish everywhere he's ever gone, as far as I know. So we, uh, anyways, this time, 22 years ago, I took a guitar out uh, in the middle of that little outdoor market. And I just was sitting in a corner somewhere doing worship. Was just doing it for me. A friend of mine came down, he had a djembe, so he brought his djembe down, and we just doing worship on the... Nobody was there. Then, uh, you know, you lift up your head, and we have a crowd of people, and guys are throwing shekels in my guitar case. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, but there's all these young people, 20-somethings, you know, Israelis. And uh, so, you know, in between the music, we I play a song, one of those guys said, hey, let me let me show you a song, and so he... Show me a song. And we were just kind of, you know, getting to know each other there on the shores of Galilee. And I remember one of, the, one of the guys saying to me, why are you here? I mean, why are you not home? How come you're not afraid? And uh, I said, well, I don't know. I don't think there's anything to be afraid of. It's like, do you not read the paper? You don't know that? Terrorist activities high. There have been a lot of events happening around Jerusalem and in the area. And, and I says, well, you know, I, I, I put my faith and trust in Christ. So, you know, if I think God has written my days. I'm going to trust him and I'm going to try to be his hands and feet wherever I am. And I told them, I shared with them my story of, uh, you know, having HIV and God delivering me from HIV. So... I said, I know God's able. I know he's not required to. You know, I, I'm a guilty man. My, my sin could have killed me and should have killed me. But God, in his mercy and grace, he granted me more time. So I, I give my life to him. Whatever you want. You want me in a crater and a bomb? I don't care. I'll, I'll go. So that's what it means to have been crucified with Christ. And this kid's like, man, that's, that's kind of crazy. He says, I don't know. People say we're God's promised land, but a lot of bad stuff happens here all the time. I, I don't know about all this. I said, well, what's the biggest thing that you're worried about right now? And he said, well, we're in a drought. Probably our biggest problem is we don't have water. And, uh, you know, they're only, Sea of Galilee is it. That's with the fresh water in Israel and the Jordan River, which by the time the Jordan River gets to the Dead Sea is not so good no more. So, and they were, hadn't rained in a long time, and so I said, well, you're going to have a choice. I said, one day, God's going to bring the rain. And when he brings the rain, you'll be faced with an opportunity to decide either to praise the clouds or praise God. You get to choose. So we, that night ended, and we went back to our hotel room, the next day it rained. I wish I could have found that guy. I wish I could have found him. Just to ask him, hey, what you going to do? Whenever I think about that, and I think about this story too, guys. I think about the children of Israel coming to the, to the Red Sea. Remember, they're leaving Egypt, and they're already complaining. They have not even been on the journey for about a day or two, and they're griping at Moses, you just brought us out here to kill us. Because God led Moses to Pihahiroth and Migdal, in between a rock and a hard place with, a, with the Red Sea, so they're, they're in a dead end. They can't get away. God brought them there. Just think about that for a minute. God brought them to a dead end. And what the people did in their dead end was gripe and complain. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. And he lifted up his staff. And what happened? Red Sea parted, right? And the children of Israel, did they die that day? They walked across on dry land. Now when they got to the other side, there's the song of Moses, the song of Miriam, and all the people start praising God. Here's what I've always wanted to do. I have always wanted to be the guy who praises God before the Red Sea parts. Who says, look, I'm, I'm going to praise you because whether you deliver or not, I don't care. You're, you still won. We still have victory. Death has no hold on me. No matter what comes, no matter how it goes, I want to be the guy who still says, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to praise God anyway. If we gather together and praise God, hallelujah. If you end up praising the Lord from your living room, it still counts. Praise God. 
Don't give in to the lies of the enemy. This is what Paul, remember I told you this, this section of Paul is his swan song. It's the last thing he wants to say to his son as he's dying. Right? He doesn't have an illness, he's going to lose his head. But he knows he's going to lose his head. He's in a maritime prison, he's in a hole in the ground. Onisiphorus is a, such a great story. I can't wait till we get there. So hopefully we get to the end and I don't ramble too much. But when we consider all this stuff, this is what he wants to tell him. So we're back up. We talked about this first thing he says that we're going to look at today. He gives a call to courage. Well, we need to hear that today. He gives a call to courage. Look, anybody can panic. Right? And nor do I, do I judge anyone uh, in regard to that. Because sometimes things are scary. But when I was in the Marine Corps, if you found yourself in a bad situation, if you found yourself suddenly facing a firefight, you had to do something your body didn't want to do. You know how you break an ambush? You charge it. You know, if, As soon as you duck down behind something and hide, guess what you are? Pinned down. So when the ambush came, you had to fight all those things in you, right? All of a sudden, pop, 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 pop. You hear guns going off, then it's, you go right into your training. Can't think about it. You go right into your training, and you start pushing. Now, you know what happens when you do that? Somebody dies. But everybody doesn't. So, here... We get a call to courage from a guy who's about to lose his head. There's nothing going to save Paul. Paul's going to die. He wants Timothy to live. But he also wants him to do something else. I want you to pick up the sword I leave behind and keep going. I want you to keep moving forward. So he says, for this reason... I'm reminding you, fan in the flame, right? We talked about this last week. Fan in the flame, the gift of God. Stoke up the fire. You got to stoke up the fire. The fire don't stoke itself. You have to stoke it up. We stoke up our panic. We stoke up our fear. We stoke up all those things all the time. We sit around and worry. We run ideas over our head. What's going to happen if? What's going to happen if? What's going to happen if? What happens if you don't stoke that fire and instead... You stoke the fire of faith in Christ. Paul's saying, stoke up that fire. Timothy, in his case, could be going, oh, what if I get arrested? What if I'm in the prison? What if, what if, what if? And Paul's saying, no, fan into flame the gift of God which was given to you by the laying on of my hands. There was a day when Paul laid hands on Timothy. Brought him into the family of God. And then Paul said, Here's what you have in Jesus Christ. You have the promise of life. Promise of life. <clears throat> if life in Christ is enough, stoke up the fire. The life of Christ that Christ has given. One life. Spend it well. Stoke up the fire of that flame. For God did not give us a spirit of fear but of power and love and of sound control. We don't have a spirit of fear. If we are afraid, who is whispering in your ear? I will tell you, let's not blame it on the devil. Let's give a devil a break. He's busy. He, by the way, is not omnipresent. So he can't be at your house and my house at the same time. So what's whispering into our ear is our flesh. Saying you can't do this that giant's too big that giant's too big i love the story of david and goliath because david facing the giant when nobody else wants to and as he's standing there facing the giant it's my favorite part of the story goliath is cursing at him and you know what am i a dog you sent a little child out to fight me you know what the scripture says david ran at him he ran at him he didn't hide behind a rock and wait for Goliath to get to him. He ran and threw his stone. Because he said, my life belongs to God. 
My life is his life. He wasn't afraid. Romans 8.15 says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. We've been in fear a lot of times. I lived my life in fear a long time. You guys remember high school? If you guys are in high school, you remember high school? Man, I was afraid. I, I, I was afraid the first fight I got into. I was afraid the second fight I got into. I was afraid the third fight I got into. <laughs> I, I was always dealing with my fear, but when I, when I gave my life to Christ, he says, you don't have to live there anymore. You do not ever have to be afraid. But you've got to fan up the flame. You've got to quiet the voice of fear in your ear. He says, you received the spirit of adoption as sons so that you can cry out. Why would we cry out? Why would we need to cry out? Abba, Father. God is your daddy. You understand that? He's your Abba, Father. Abba is daddy. He's your Papa. What did you do when you were a little kid, three, four, five years old, and you were afraid? You run to Papa and throw your arms up in the air. Daddy! I'm afraid. What did dad do? He'd scoop you up and say, you don't got to be afraid. Every time my kids had a nightmare and I run into their room, you don't have to be afraid. I got you. I got you. We don't, we don't have to have fear. Joshua 1.9, what did the Lord say? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be frightened nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go. Was that anywhere? Wherever you go. God is with you. So he's given you the spirit of power. Not fear, but power. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. We are not going to fight the battles of life, whether it is the divided nature of our nation, which... By the way, we've been praying for God to unite, and all of a sudden we have something that we should be able to unite around. The weapons of our warfare are not flesh. It's not what we're going to be able to figure out with our hands. It's not going to be able to, what we're going to figure out with our attitudes and actions. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not flesh. But they are mighty in God. They have divine power. For what purpose? To destroy strongholds. To destroy strongholds. Now you might have a view of a different stronghold. You today might be saying the coronavirus is a stronghold. I would say sin in our nation is a stronghold. Coronavirus is a tool. Coronavirus may very well be a judgment from the hands of a God who is driving us to our knees before him. The Bible tells us, look, you need to know this. You are not appointed to wrath. The coronavirus is not the wrath of God. You'll know the wrath of God if you see the wrath of God. This is not it. Read Revelation 6 through 19. Wrath of God is like stars falling out of the heavens. Yeah, that's the wrath of God. What is, what is this? Maybe judgment. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it may be judgment to bring people to their knees to call on the name of the Lord. That should be easy for us, right? We're believers. Calling on the name of the Lord is easy for us. Why? Because he has the power to, to destroy the stronghold. The stronghold of sin in our nation. The stronghold of sin in the church. The stronghold of sin in our lives. And whatever it takes to accomplish that. He's also given us a spirit of love. Love. Please, if you hear somebody who don't have something and you got some, don't go neener, 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 I got some. Give them some. Give it away. What are you going to do with it? This, we don't, you don't win by having the most toilet paper. You don't win nothing. You don't win by having the most meat in your freezer. You know how you win? By giving somebody who doesn't some. You know how you win? By feeding the hungry. What if I don't have any food? Then you don't have any food. You know what the prophets of God did? The prophets of God went out to the desert, sat under a tree. The Lord said, go here. I'm gonna, Elijah, I'm going to bring a, <clears throat> a drought. There's going to be no rain. And Elijah said, well, what am I supposed to do? God, I don't have anything. He didn't have a house. He didn't have food. He didn't have money in the bank to go to the store. God, what do I do? The Lord said, sit under that tree. But that's not going to solve my problem, God. 
to sit under the tree. So he goes and sits under the tree. And the Lord brought ravens to feed him. You want to know how to have what you need? This is what people don't understand. You want to know how to have what you need to get through everything? It's not hoarding. Give it away. And then stand before a holy God with your hands open. And if your heart is to give, God will fill your hands. If your heart is to hoard, you're going to stand there with what you got. Give it away. You want to have 10 years of food in your freezer? Praise the Lord. When people get hungry, feed them. In the name of Jesus Christ. That's how you've learned Christ. Right? What did Jesus do with his stuff? If Jesus had toilet paper and you didn't, what would he do? You think God didn't? Look, he's a man just like us. Don't want to shock you, but he did go to the bathroom. We want, to, we want to be like him. We want to have a spirit of love for Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter who you are, circumcision or uncircumcision, Galatians 5, 6. None of that stuff counts for anything. What counts? Faith working through love. I trust God and I'll give it away. And when I don't got none, I'm going to get some. I'm going to trust in the Lord. Galatians 5.22, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such as there is no law. I'm going to trust in God. What if it gets worse? I'm going to trust in God. What I do doesn't change. It doesn't change. The other thing is he gave us a sound mind. You remember last time I told you sound mind equals calm down. Somebody needs to get on a mic in front of the world and say, calm down. Calm down. Now that doesn't mean be stupid. That's not the same thing. Right? That's not the same thing as just ignore everything that's going on. I didn't say ignore everything. What did I say? Calm down. Listen to what the Lord said. Psalm 107, 29 through 30. He made the storm be still. And the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. And he brought them to their desired haven. When the Lord wants to calm the storm, he'll calm it. Until then, in the middle of the storm, just relax and trust God. Psalm 37, 7-9 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Calm down. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger, forsake wrath. You get to the store and there's one thing left on the shelf and somebody else grabs it. Maybe even grabs it out of your hand. Then you just say, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. And you go on your way. The wrath of man will never accomplish the righteousness of God. Just let it be. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Be still and know. Do you know who God is? And do you trust him? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Trust God. The second thing that Paul tells Timothy, and you need to hear this, be ready to suffer. Well, that sucks. Nobody's really excited about that word, right? Lord, deliver us. Deliver us so there's no suffering. This is, this is look, I'm a premillennial, pre-trib, rapture guy. Uh, I believe one day Jesus is going to call his church home. We're going to go home to be with him because we will not face the wrath of God, which is different than judgment of God. I believe all that. 
But here's what the rapture has caused. People to be afraid that they go through anything, it's going to be too hard. What was it like for Paul? He's living in a hole. Nobody's feeding him. He's drinking water and eliminating his bodily waste in a hole with a bunch of other men. Nobody's cleaning that stuff out. Nobody's taking care of any of that. I call that suffering. Why would we think there would never be any suffering for us? The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. So Paul is saying to him, look, be ready to suffer like I am. Paul says, look, if you settle in your mind already that I'm going to suffer, when suffering comes, it doesn't derail you. That's not the same as the rapture's not coming. You are not appointed to the wrath of God. When the stars fall out and the earth is exploding and everything is being shredded by the wrath of God, don't worry, you won't have to go through that. But that doesn't mean you'll never be hungry. Otherwise, you have to apologize to all the Christians around the world who are hungry. That doesn't mean you'll never be cold. Otherwise, you'd have to apologize to all the Christians around the world who are cold. You and I, we are spoiled. And our spoiling comes to top when we go to the store and we say, where's the stuff? Once upon a time, if you wanted stuff, you went and made it. Right? You didn't go to the store and go, where's the stuff? Other places around the world, when I was in Russia, 15, 20 years ago, when I was in Russia, you had to shop every day. Because you could not store stuff. We go to Costco once a month. I get food everywhere. That's how I'm fat. We run out of food. I'm giving it all away. Best diet ever. I'll be sitting in my living room going, Lord, I'm so hungry, but there's nothing to eat. God's going to say, I'm answering your prayer to lose weight. We get spoiled. We get spoiled. Let's not be spoiled. Listen to what he says. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Listen, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Do you hear what he said? Share in suffering. I often think of Daniel. You know, Daniel, the Bible doesn't say anything bad about Daniel. We don't, I'm not saying Daniel never sinned. I'm just saying the Bible doesn't tell us about some wretched sin that was in Daniel's life. Daniel was a kid when Nebuchadnezzar came and conquered the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel had been in such sin, God brought exile. <clears throat> that means God sent them into slavery for 70 years. And the first group of kids that was taken from the palace, Daniel was among that number. So he's probably somewhere in the royal line, right? He's probably looking forward to a great life, thinking one day, you know, his mom and dad probably already have a a young lady picked out for him that he's going to marry, and he's got plans. And then Nebuchadnezzar takes him and makes him a eunuch. If you don't know what that is, ask your mom and dad. He never gets married. He never has a child. Maybe that wasn't the plan he had for his life. But it was the plan God had for his life. And God's judgment that came upon the nation of Israel affected a 16 year old kid. Who became one of the greatest prophets that we know of. Whom God revealed incredible things to. Because he was willing to share in the suffering with the nation. And when the nation's set free, it's Daniel's prayer of repentance that does it. Daniel's prayer. The kid. That I don't know if he ever did something wrong. I'm sure he did. He's a kid. He's 16. Every 16-year-old does wrong stuff. It's his prayer. He was ready to share in the suffering, right? Share in the suffering. Be part of the solution. Look for opportunities. He says, do not be ashamed. The word ashamed in the Bible is is linked to the word disappointed. Don't be disappointed. Maybe this is not the times we ordered. Maybe we thought life was going to be different. Maybe we thought, maybe it's only going to be for a few months and everything goes back to normal. Maybe it never goes back to normal. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference. Share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Paul saying, don't be ashamed, I'm in prison, and you may be too. 
Don't be ashamed. Sharing the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who did what? Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. He saved us and he has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. He saved me. And look, look, I don't know how you feel about your salvation, but about my salvation, I was a wretch. So I go back to amazing grace, right? I'm a wretch. He saved me. If you have a similar view, then you don't have a problem wanting to give what you have now. What I enjoy now is part of my life and how my life is, is all due to the Lord. It's all His. So whatever, you ring the bell, God, I'm there. Whatever. However it looks, you saved me and you called me. Not because of our works, not because of something you did, but because of His own purpose and grace. God has a purpose and a plan, which He gave us in Christ before the ages began. Jesus Christ is the vehicle through whom we experience the grace of God. There's no other way. God, before the foundation of the world, before anything happened, before anything began, God said in Jesus Christ, everyone who enters into Christ Jesus will be saved. Before the foundation of the world. That's why he can say that. Before the foundation of the world, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior... Jesus Christ, who, listen, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Death is defeated. So I'm going to say something that's going to sound like a self-contradictory statement. You are going to die and you are never going to die. How does that work? Well, you are not what you are living in right now. What you are living in right now, the Bible describes as a tent. You are inside that tent. That tent's going to wear out. How many people's tents already wore out a little? My tent's a little bit wore out. I'm okay for a new tent. The Bible says... That one day we're going to cast off this tent. That is physical death. We're going to cast it off. But to be absent from the body is to be? Thank you. So that part of you never dies. So what are you afraid of? What's the big, what's the big fear? I know, no, look, nobody wants to suffer. I don't want to suffer. But I don't know what God has chose for my walk i'm gonna walk it and i know if i walk through the valley of the shadow of death who's going to be with me so do i have to be afraid no i just trust in him if i need strength for my suffering who will give it to me he will i don't got to work it up i just trust him i'm going to put my trust in him look don't be afraid he has abolished death death has no power over you You, death is a doorway to the presence of Jesus Christ. Physical death. You will never suffer spiritual death. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. You will not die. You will move from here to there. That's it. It's nothing to be afraid of. Now here's where the the fear part comes. But what about what I don't get to do? Who Who just entered into the center of the equation? I did. I'm in the center of the equation. Look, it's not. I'm not the center of it all. I want to know this. I want to. I want to understand this. The salvation that Jesus Christ has brought into my life is worth more than anything I think I'm going to miss. Now, here's the thing, young guys. I'm sorry. I know that doesn't help you. You're like, whatever. You only say that because you already have done it all. You old people have already done everything. Look, I got stuff I still want to do. When you're my age, you will have done a lot of stuff, but you won't have done all the stuff. Listen, please hear this. Whatever you think you're going to lose, whatever you think, that's, that's the flesh telling you this is better. 
But the scripture would tell us being with Christ is better. So when we're with him, you're not going to lose anything. Whatever you think you're going to miss, you're not going to miss. And it's not because you'll never have it. You'll have it and more with Christ. Whatever you think, whatever distorted ideas we have of what will be lost will be found in Christ Jesus. For which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed, and I am convinced he's able to guard unto that day that which he has entrusted to me. So, don't be afraid of going to prison. Don't be afraid of being sick. Jesus Christ has abolished death and brought life through the gospel. If that's the road we walk, that's the road we walk. I'll promise you this. You get sick and you call for me, whether I'm sick or not, I'll come. I'll sit down by your bed and I'll hold your hand and I'll look into your eyes and say, Jesus loves you. And I'll pray for you until the day I can't do that no more. Uh, I have, I'm not afraid of that stuff. I'm not afraid. Of, I, I've been into a number. I used to. I was so hopeful because of my experience with HIV and all that stuff that God would let me go to Desert AIDS Project in Palm Springs, which is the number one place where people go to die of AIDS. And say, man, I want to go be able to minister to them. I want to go when nobody else wants to be there. Lord didn't open that door. He had other plans. But I'm not that stuff don't bug me. I don't care. I, I I'm not I'm not trying to be dumb, but I'm not afraid. We had a young lady one day comes <laughs> was a crazy story. You never know what's gonna happen at church. So she comes through the doors of church, she's carrying a big butcher knife. <clears throat> she's got it kind of hidden in her shirt, but it's not that hidden. And she is bleeding like crazy. Her hand is, I mean, gushing. Blood. So she comes walking in the door. She comes walking in the door. And I got lots of choices. Uh, Okay, I'm going to go over here and do this and that. And somebody find me some gloves. And I'm sorry you're bleeding so bad. Just try not to get it on my floor. No. I grabbed her. We took her hand. I got blood all over me. We went over to the sink right out here. Uh, you guys have been coming here for a long time. Don't worry, this is a long time ago. She come in, come into the sink, turn on the water. I'm wa- trying to wash it out. I get some bandages. I get stuff so the I stop the bleeding. Then afterwards, the cops come in and go, you didn't put no gloves on or nothing? Oh, sorry, I didn't think about it at the time. It was like, she's bleeding everywhere. And they go, well, she got hepatitis. You're going to have to go get checked. All right. I don't have it. But if the Lord wanted me to have it, that'd be a good way to give it to me. But I'm not going to... I'm not trying to be dumb. I want to get that across. But I'm, I'm willing to do whatever... I'm, I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Right? Now, I'm not saying Jesus wouldn't grab rubber gloves. But we don't have a bunch of rubber gloves laying around here. If she went to an emergency room, the doctor's got rubber gloves. He can put them on. This is church. We have rubber gloves now. (laughs) We didn't have no rubber gloves then. All right. Don't be afraid of suffering. Romans 8.18 For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing with the glory which will be revealed in us. When you see Jesus, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. The other thing Jesus says, don't be disappointed in me. Every time the Lord says, don't be ashamed of me. That's what I hear. Don't be disappointed. And the reason I hear that is because of, because of uh, Luke. Uh, John as well talks about it. But Luke seven nineteen through 23, you may remember the story. John the Baptist is in prison. John the Baptist, you know, the guy who went out and told everybody Jesus is coming. When Jesus was baptized by him, John the Baptist said, There's the guy, Messiah. I did my job. There he is. Then he gets arrested. What's he get arrested for? Telling the truth. Yeah, the king was doing crooked stuff, and he said, you're doing crooked stuff. Well, in those days, if you said the king was doing crooked stuff, he put you in jail. What's the king going to do? We know the end of John the Baptist. What's he going to do? He's going to cut off his head. In Luke 7.19, John called two of his disciples to him and sent them to the Lord and said, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? You remember the story? Why is John doing that? 
Because he's thinking, look, I knew I was going to point out the Christ. He's going to come. He's going to do his thing. And I'm going to get exalted, man. I'm the, I'm the guy. I'm the voice crying out in the wilderness. I'm the herald of the king of the universe. <clears throat> Why am I in prison? Are you the guy? Aren't you going to get me out of here? Don't you hear that in John's voice? So when the men came to him said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And in that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And then he answered them. So they're coming and asking him a question. And Jesus is busy. Doing what? Miracles. He's doing miracles. He's healing this guy. He's healing that guy. He's making a blind see. He's this guy who only has one leg. Now poof, he has two. He's doing all kind of stuff. Right? He's doing all kind of miracles. And John's, John's disciples are like, But look at all the power of this guy. All he's got to say is, This is how it is and that's how it will be. And then Jesus said to them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news preached to them. Listen, and blessed is he who's not disappointed in me, offended by me. I'm not getting you out of jail, John. You're going to die. You know how to find out if you're really a slave of God? When God tells you, you're going to die, and you say, Nevertheless, not my will, but crazy, huh? So I think John the Baptist said, all right, I got it. I can die for you. Look, dying for the Lord is not hard. Living for God is. Dying for the Lord, that should be easy. If Jesus Christ has saved you, you should be ready for that part. I'm reminded of a group of missionaries. I can't remember where they were going. I want to say it was in the Polynesian islands. They were going and <clears throat> the people were warning them. You know, there, there are people who, there are headhunters there. There's cannibals. They're going to eat you. And they're trying to talk the missionaries out of going. I've told you guys before, the missionaries always say the same stuff. I died already. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm going to go live for Christ. And it cost me what it cost me. I'm going to go be who Christ wants me to be. Because I am not ashamed. Because I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded he will Guard what was entrusted to me. What is it that Jesus gave us earlier? Life. Has God got your life? Yep, he's got it. He always had it. From a day you were born and your mom and dad that looked at you in the crib and they went to bed afraid. Right? I did. I went to bed afraid. What if they stopped breathing at night? You know that stuff happens, right? What if they stopped breathing? What's going to happen? And every night when I went to bed, I'm trusting the Lord with my babies. Nothing's ever changed. My babies are 30-something now. I trust the Lord with my babies. He's got them. I know in whom I have believed. So he says, follow the pattern of sound words that you heard from me and the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Hold fast to the final arbiter of the word of God. Let the word of God be that which encourages you, informs you, that that's what you hold to. I could care less what CNN says, MSNBC, or Fox News, sorry. I don't care what any of them say, I care what the Bible says. What's the Bible tell me to do? If the Bible doesn't tell me to do, then I'll listen to the best information I can and try to do what's, what I think is right. But if the Bible tells me there's something I ought to do, I'm going to do it. You know, Jesus said, if they ask you for your, for your shirt or your cloak, give me your shirt also. If he bids you, if he forces you to walk a mile with him, walk two. Those are, that's Jesus' words. Look them up in the Bible. They're red. 
He didn't say, if he's trying to take your toilet paper, sock him in the air and take his. That's not what he said. That's not how you have learned Christ, right? In Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, it says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. We're to grow up and be like Jesus. Grow up and be like Jesus. How do we do that? By applying the word of God in our life. What about if I don't like what the word says? Just shut up. <laughs> How many times I got to tell you guys, it ain't okay. If you're not married, don't live together. Why? Because the Bible says don't do it. Well, it makes life easier. Well, okay, I don't know what to tell you. Then you're not growing up and being like Christ. You want to grow up and be like Christ? Then do what the Word of God says. If the Word of God says love your neighbor and you're not loving your neighbor, then you're not growing up and being like Christ. Grow up and be like Christ. We don't even have to argue about the hard stuff. We'll just work on the easy ones. If you're not loving your wife like Christ loved the church, you're not growing up in Christ. Is there a time when I don't have to do it? No. Ever. No matter how mean she is today. And by the way, Kathy's not here. I'm not saying she's mean. <coughs> she's watching right now. I'm not saying that, babe. I just said if. It's a hypothetical, not rhetorical question. I'm going to move on now. <laughs> when we grow up and become like Christ, listen, the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when every part is working properly. So we're messed up. Our body, Calvary Chapel Buell is messed up if you're messed up. Calvary Chapel Buell is messed up if I'm messed up. Calvary Chapel Buell is messed up if any part of the body is messed up. So if you know you are here a part of our body and you are living in sin and you won't confess it and you won't get right with God and you won't do what the Word of God says, then we are all the body of Christ suffering because of it. Grow up and be like Christ. Just grow up. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Don't love yourself. Love your brother. And then he gives us an incentive for faithfulness. The last thing. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. So everybody left Paul. Among whom are uh, Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus. So... Phygelus uh, and Hermogenes, these two guys, <clears throat> they're part of the group with Demas who bailed on Paul. For whatever reason, they didn't like him. We're out of here, dude. You're a loser. You're always in prison. I don't like your message, Paul. Your message is suffering. We're never going to suffer, so we're going to go preach a different gospel. And that, they, off they went. But then he, he says, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus, listen to this. For he often refreshed me. And was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched earnestly for me. And he found me. He was in a prison. You know what they put people in prison for? Being a Christian. So what happens if you visit a Christian? What do you think the, the jail guys are doing? Oh, here's another Christian. We got room down there? Listen to what he said. May the Lord give mercy... To the household of Onesiphorus. Why would you say that? Because Onesiphorus is dead. Because Onesiphorus came and he said, I got to minister to Paul. I got to find him. Where's he at? I'm going to find him. I go down in a hole. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see where he's at. And he comes and he ministers to him. And whatever part of that ministry cost him everything. And if you serve Jesus Christ with your whole heart, sometimes it's going to cost you like Onesiphorus. Sometimes that's the price we pay. Onesiphorus didn't regret it. And God granted mercy to his family. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. God be with him. You all remember, right? You, you know the service he rendered at, at Ephesus. He refreshed me. He sought me out. He was not disappointed in me. Even if it cost him. 
these are the days we live in now. If I was designing the days we lived in, I might have done it different. I like ease, comfort, everything being easy and good, everybody being healthy and fine. Maybe these days are long, maybe these days are short. I don't know. I do know this. I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded he's able to keep me. He'll give me what I need. No matter who calls or why they call, we'll do what we can. And we won't always be able to do it all. And certainly if we stand just a few of us, we'll be able to do more. And if we stand all of us, we'll be able to do more. And some of us it may cost. But the price is worth paying. It is worth paying for this. I used to tell the kids, come to football practice, coach football for 13 years. They come to football practice their first day as freshmen, and I'd say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to pay everything there is to pay for the chance to stand on this field at a state championship and feel all that feeling having spent four years working toward something and accomplishing that thing if you give everything you got on that day you'll celebrate been doing coaching a long time if you don't on that day you will weep I've seen both weeping saying I wish I could have done something more I wish I could have given something else now that's a little thing. That's just football. Nobody cares about football. I have a ring from winning state championship that I never wear or look at. Once upon a time it was so important, now it doesn't mean a thing. Go to a pawn shop in Las Vegas, you can find Super Bowl rings all over the place. Same reason. We got one chance to stand before our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in that moment, it'll be too late to say, what would you give? To hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Now I'm not saying you got to die for Jesus. I'm saying you got to live for him. That's all. Live for him and you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That is our Super Bowl. Amen? Why don't you stand with me, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day, the opportunity we have to worship. God, I pray that we, like the children of Israel, at the end of the Red Sea, would find ourselves willing to praise your name, God, before the seas part. I pray that we would always be willing to praise. Wherever we are, whatever the circumstance is, we lift our hands to give worth to our King. I don't worship to get something. I worship to give my King something. To give him worthship because he is worthy no matter what happens. It doesn't matter what the song is, it doesn't even matter if I like it. I'm giving value to my king when I lift my eyes to heaven and I sing his praise. He calls me in his word to do it, he calls us to praise him. May we praise him before all the answers. May we praise Him before all the cures. May we praise Him before all the miracles. May we praise Him all the way to death's door, if that's what we are called to do. For Jesus, when He wrote the letter to Smyrna, He said, Smyrna, you're going to go through ten waves of persecution. Over and over and over again, you're going to be persecuted. And then He said this to them, Be faithful until you die, and I will give you the crown of life. To John the Baptist, he said, I have power to do all these things. I can open eyes, make the lame walk. I can even raise the dead, but I'm not getting you out of prison. Blessed is he who's not offended by me. I trust you, God. 
you are my king. And I have already committed myself to you as doulos, slave by choice. I choose slavery to my king. You say go, I go. Say jump, it's how high on the way up. Whatever you want, God, however you want it, that's what I give. And I pray, God, you be glorified and magnified in these days by your church loving the world like you did. And you gave your only son. So, God, give us all the courage and strength and faith we need to be your church in this time. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's the word That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you Search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, For you guys, um, but let me just uh, pray over you before we leave, and uh, I'm just going to pray safety over you guys, and and uh, just that God will bless your day. So, Lord, I thank you for everyone in here this morning. Lord, I pray for your protection, for your peace, and for your guidance, Lord. And I just pray for safety as they return home. And we thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. King of endless words, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single breath. Is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart.